A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 146 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Uh, Coomsy, it's it's not good, man. It sounds like you were introducing like a funeral or something there. That was that was very dark sounding. These are unfortunately bad times around the Toronto Blue Jays. And if you look at our pattern. We thought this series against Baltimore was going to be a bad or a good one because yeah. remember it was like good, bad, sweep, get swept, terrible series against the Yankees. They were supposed to rebound against the Orioles and then do bad against the Rays, but no rebound against the Orioles whatsoever. No, in fact, quite the worse or quite the opposite. We thought the Blue Jays were maybe going to find a way to bounce back. We thought maybe dropping three to four to the New York Yankees would be some sort of rock bottom here in this stretch. And we could not have been more incorrect. <laughs> that. Um, three losses to the Baltimore Orioles and all of them coming in like a different kind of painful fashion. So let's get into our. Listen, we're not doing three up, three down. We're doing three down and maybe one up. Um, <laughs> but let's start with game one of this series, Cam. I mean, one, first down, the game was on Apple TV, which is annoying as shit. The broadcast, like, there's parts of it I like. And it's weird that I want to start with this, but whatever. I'm a, I am I like this kind of stuff. I like this, the interactive stats and things like that are okay. But the broadcast itself is very sloppy. There are random hot mics popping up all over the place. They during the game, during the play, they have all these cool like infographics and segments they're doing. But then they go in between innings and it's just nothing. It's silence. It's like, well, how do you not have something prepared for this like 90 second stretch? I hate the Apple Apple TV or whatever the fuck they're called broadcast. Yeah, I, I mentioned this last time we talked. Um, what was it? It was the series in New York. They had their first um, Apple Friday night baseball game back in April or whenever that was. And I mentioned it kind of felt dystopian when you were just sort of walking around the concourse on some like webcam or or GoPro or whatever you want to call that. And there's no noise or no talking or no commentary in between innings. What I did this time, and uh, I think it was Ben Wagner, somebody from Sportsnet tweeted out just ahead of the game is that you can go and you can put on like the home or the away team's radio broadcast to just overlay over Apple's video. And honestly, Apple's video is not terrible. It's it's good production quality and they have nice graphics and stuff. So I just listened to Ben Wagner and Ben Nicholson Smith the entire game and they're 
Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not really a radio guy usually, but they're fantastic. I didn't realize how good they were. Yeah, uh, Coombsy, well, you know us being uh, both Edmonton guys. TSN 1260 in Edmonton actually carries Ben Wagner and the Blue Jays broadcast. It's like the only time TSN and Sportsnet work together on this kind of stuff. So I listen to a ton of Ben Wagner stuff when I'm driving around, and his call is fantastic. I was uh, I got annoyed at the Apple thing about halfway through the game, so our friends at Blue Jays today had a live stream up. And if you want extra Jays content, Go check out our friends at Blue Jays today because they've been feeling extra spicy as of late. Um, but that first game, Ryan Mountcastle murders the Jays. And what's even more frustrating about these last like seven games is that it's been Mountcastle for the Orioles and Judge for the Yankees, like two guys who consistently kill us doing exactly that in these games. Um, but that just, I mean, listen, they got off to a one nothing lead and then it was basically nothing positive from that point on. Kikuchi walked four batters in four and two thirds, ended up giving up three earned as well. Eric Swanson had one of his few rough in outings of the season. On top of that, the Jays couldn't hit with runners in scoring position, one for seven, left seven guys on base. Nothing positive from that first game. The Ryan Mountcastle things are really weird one for me because you think about the Yankees series and you get your ass handed to you by Aaron Judge and you're like, well, that's fine. This is Aaron Judge. This is the guy who hit more than 60 home runs last year. He may or may not have a different baseball being thrown to him. So whatever, not the end of the world to get beat by that guy. But when it comes to Ryan Mountcastle, um, I think it was Andrew Stoughton that pointed this out on Twitter the other day. His, his weighted runs created plus um, against everyone else other than the Blue Jays is essentially what Kendry's Morales was hitting when he was with the Blue Jays. And we all remember Kendry's Morales. Not terrible, not great, just very middle-of-the-road power hitter. So that's what Ryan Mountcastle is for literally everyone else. And then over his career against the Blue Jays, he's got like a 1,500 OPS with what feels like 500 home runs. Mm-hmm. It's it's mind-numbing to see just such a random player go and light up the Blue Jays. Um, it's honestly... I, I made a joke on Blue Jays Nation's Twitter last year. I was like, man, the Blue Jays really should just go out and trade for this guy, whatever it takes, just for the reason of not having to go up against him and because he's uh, on the Orioles. He's by far the number one killer. Yeah, and he did exactly that. Big three-run bomb off Kikuchi in game one. Um, Danny Jansen had a good game. His bats may be starting to come around, but you just look like I'm looking at the box score right now, and it's like, okay, the bottom four guys in this game, Belt, Merrifield, Jansen, Kiermeyer. those guys all had hits. Chapman, Varsho, Bichette. Did not get a hit, did not get on base. And it's like, man, it just feels like one of those things right now, Cam, where like when one area of this team is doing well, another area is just not even like just being average. It's like tanking. It's terrible. It's like, okay, the rotation is maybe figuring it out and the bats are cold and then the bullpen gets cold. And it's just like nothing is lining up. They have no mojo, no momentum. Me and you love the word vibes. The vibes on this team right for this team right now are like critically low. There's like nothing good. I don't know how these guys are have would be having any sort of fun showing up to the ballpark right now. And I'm barely having fun watching them. 
It's weird because, you know, the homestand started and they swept the Braves and you kind of look at their splits home versus away. They played so many away games in the first month and a half and it was a pretty big grind. And all during their home games, the few ones that they did have in that first month and a half, they were doing incredibly well. And it looked like, okay, here's a perfect spot in the middle of May for the Jays to really do something good. And it started off so nicely with that series against Atlanta. And then it really felt like New York just kind of came to town and really got in their heads and rattled them. Um, you said right off the hop, maybe after that Yankees series, that gives them a bit of, of a kick in the ass, a bit of a spark. Hey, look, like, look how strong this division is. Obviously, all the players in the team know no one's unaware of this. But maybe that gives you a little bit of extra motivation, seeing how all the other teams are doing and then seeing the Yankees come in and kind of give you a little bit of an ass kicking in front of your own fans. Yeah. But then Baltimore comes in and the vibe doesn't shift whatsoever. And I mean, this isn't hockey. You're not going to go out and, you know, dump pucks in and throw big hits. It's, it's a very different sport. It's a precision sport, but still it just felt like the team was pretty much dead in this weekend series against Baltimore. And it was a surprising thing to see because you don't have that many division games and they're on such a bad run within the division. If you go back to the beginning of May with that Boston series as well, it's 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 shocking. It felt like there was so little urgency or so little. I mean, they talk so much about doing all these little things right, and it just that's just not happening. And it's it's hard to watch that in a in a in key series. Even though we're in the month of May, we're we're not even close to the halfway point in the season. But you know, you don't face your divisional opponents as much anymore, and these games matter so much. And it really feels like the team just didn't show up at all. John Schneider's quote after the game was enough is enough. And I'd love to see that kind of mindset translate onto the field for this ball club. Um, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that they keep playing all these games in a row and there's no days off. We'll talk about that in a bit. Let's keep working our way through this series. We talked about Kikuchi, the tough command, a bunch of stuff that didn't go well in, uh, in game one. Game two, Alec Manoa is actually pitching somewhat well. He's racked up 5Ks. Only the one walk coming off his previous start, which was a career high in terms of base on balls for Manoa to dial in his command, start to strut around a little bit. It was shades of himself. And then an absolute unforced air of John Schneider goes out for a second mound visit. And the second he walked out, I was like, oh, they're yanking him. And they're sitting there talking. And I was watching the game going like, I'm very confused about what's going on right now. I was like, is he maybe hurt? But no, the athletic therapist isn't there. I was like, why are they just chatting? That can't happen either. Like the dysfunction and the disorganization right now and and the lack of not knowing what your job is, it starts at the top with the manager at this point. Yeah, that's that's one thing that was probably of a terrible weekend. That moment there with Manoa and Schneider, the mess up was probably the most frustrating because I think you can look at a baseball team and accept for the most part, yeah, they're going to have these lulls. They're going to go cold. You can't just get into the batter's box and focus really hard and try your best and just hit a home run. It's not that it's not that simple. Same thing with pitching. You can't just, you know, every single game just come out there and will your way through it. It's That's just not really how the sport works. They're going to have these shitty times and that's fine. But the frustrating thing is, is that they changed their roster around and they got rid of a lot of their offensive depth in order to be this team that 
that, you know, they field well, they run bases well, they can put down a bunt, they can score run and score runs in different ways. And the whole talk was going to be, oh, well, we have all this great attention to detail. Now we're going to do all these little things right. And it's, 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 I mean, it's better than it was last year. The defense, of course, in the outfield, especially is obviously significantly better, but they're still doing these little fuck ups. And then seeing Schneider, who's, you know, trying to be this, you know, hard ass guy gym coach who gets the most out of their guys by you know doing that whole rah-rah thing as opposed to the charlie montoyo hands off everything's chill everything's cool and then he's the one that's fucking up and you have don mattingly standing next to you as like you know he's supposed to be this game changer in the bench he has a hundred years of experience he played on the yankees it was you know super professional pro guy and they can't even catch this like basic easy stuff and it results in your young supposed to be ace who's having a terrible season having to come out of a start where he's pitching really well and he's only thrown 85 pitches i mean i can also understand the logic john schneider says after the game hey this probably this was the time that we wanted to take alec out of the game um you know come out of that feeling positive but (laughs) do you even really actually believe that like what if they didn't have somebody warming up in the bullpen and they just had to bring in a cold reliever like i really don't think that was a planned calculated move that was just straight up a mistake and it's you know if you're gonna come and you're gonna make a big rah 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 thing throughout the entire spring training about how great you're gonna be with attention to detail if you're the manager you can't be fucking that up no and yeah i mean whatever excuse they want to throw it after the game you can read the body language of all parties involved there like even the umpire kind of walking over and being like uh yo you you gotta bring in someone like that was not a, again, sure, you can say it's a point in the game in which it would have made sense to pull Manoa. I buy, well, like, sure. I agree with that, but don't come out and try to fool us into thinking it was the plan all along. I don't know. That was incredibly annoying. Again, just, just speaks to how off this ball club is right now. And speaking of being off, let's keep going with the downs. Jordan Romano's not really having a good year, Cam. And of all the guys we talked about in terms of arms, the bullpen specifically, we never worried about Romano at all. It was always, how are you going to get him the ball and how do you lead up to the Jays' closer? Okay, now we're at the point he's, what, blown three saves this year? He's given up a handful of really untimely home runs, including this most recent one, which cost them a ball game. And I always think it's tough to just lay a bunch of blame on the closer because it is a very difficult job. Um, your bad outings are... Greatly magnified, but Romano's not safe from criticism either. And to say he needs to turn it around in order for this team to get back in the race, that might be an understatement. Yeah, that'd really be ideal because like you said a few minutes ago, it's there hasn't really been a point where all three of the aspects, I guess in a simple term, all three of the aspects of the team are doing well at the same time, the hitting, the starting pitching and the bullpen. So you have a game there in the second game where you had a reasonable chance to win. And then, you know, Romano comes in and allows a three run bomb to Ryan O'Hearn. Of all players, I mean, it's, we I think we'd have like a different uh, like a different view of this if it was Ryan Mountcastle, Blue Jays killer hitting the home run, or Adley Rutschman, like the one of the best young players in baseball doing it. But it's Ryan O'Hearn. It's you know your closers coming in for this random guy to hit the home run. Uh, um, yeah, it's frustrating. And I mean, over the month of May, it's been a little bit of a different, a difficult time for Amano. It's been I think seven outings. 
I have written down here. He's got a 4.05 ERA. He's blown the two saves, one against Philly, one here against Baltimore. And then at the very beginning of the month, there was the one loss to Boston with the Alex Verdugo walk-off. So, I mean, it's been three games now in the month of May already that Romano's had a difficult go. And I guess you sort of have to ask yourself now, the trade deadline's a few months away. There's plenty of time, but... Maybe it is something to consider. Maybe the Blue Jays need another veteran back there who could potentially close games because I think coming into the season, if you were going to pick an option to be the closer, if Romano was either hurt or he wasn't available or he was struggling, it probably would have been Jimmy Garcia. But given the way the year's gone so far, I do not want Jimmy Garcia in anywhere near a save situation. The next guy would be Eric Swanson. And then after that, I don't know. So again, this might be one of those things <laughs> omnipresent in the life of the Toronto Blue Jays. Get bullpen help. I, I, yeah, but I mean, at this point, they're only two and a half back of a wild card spot. The ship has probably sailed on them coming back and winning the division. Like maybe we had hope because you're eight and a half back of the Tampa Bay Rays and there's too many teams in between. So you're solely focusing on grabbing one of the last wildcard spots on May 22nd. How can we sit here and talk about what they're supposed to add and, and pieces that they need? Like if this team as constructed doesn't figure it out, if Jimmy Garcia doesn't find himself every, like we can go down a laundry list. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hello. Is he at a home run at the Rogers center yet this year? I think he has like one. If these guys don't figure it out, Shit, they could add Shohei Otani and still miss the playoffs, man. Yeah, the prediction uh, that I made now, it's looking, geez, can you even can you even get... The trouble is, is, I mean, you look at where the Jays are right now and look at where the Jays were last year, and it's not that different. You, I think they're two games back of where they were last year. They had 27 wins at this point in mid-May. But the difficulty is, is that not only the AL East, but the entire American League is significantly better than it was last year. You have other teams in other divisions who are now in the mix, like Texas, for example. They've come, they were terrible last year, and they're uh, a contending team this year for the playoffs. And then you look at the American League East, the Red Sox have rebounded fairly nicely, and they look like a competitive team. The Orioles look like they've just completely leapfrogged the Jays here, which is unfortunate because I remember we were talking about their offseason when we were doing the preseason predictions podcast with BK, and we were like, oh, wow, Baltimore has this amazing young core, and they haven't augmented it with any veteran talent. Well, it doesn't seem like it's really mattered at all because... I mean, look at the start they've gotten off to. And I mean, time will tell, like the, the the true test of a good baseball team isn't how well you do in the first two months of the season. It's how you handle the marathon and the grind the rest of the way, how you handle playing those slog ass games in July and August. And for the Jays last year, that's when they started to turn it around. And that's when good teams shine through. But right now it's, it's, I don't really blame anyone for looking at this and seeing, Oh man, maybe this isn't better than last year. I, the whole time I've tried to kind of tell myself this year's team is kind of akin to the 2016 team. Like you had the 2015 team. They were guns ablazing, huge winning streak, big trade deadline, home runs, amazing lineup, just like your classic, awesome all-star baseball team. And then the 2016 team was close to as good in the regular season, went just as far in the playoffs, but the whole time they never really looked that good. They were always kind of a frustrating team to watch. It never felt like they broke out and became the team they could have been, but maybe that's the Jays team we're watching this year. They're just going to be frustrating as hell the entire time, but 
they might just get the job done. We'll see. I mean, it's it's been a frustrating stretch, but the reality is, is even after all these bad games, they're still 25 and 22, which is it's not terrible. I don't think we've seen them play their best baseball yet. I certainly hope not. I would hope, yeah, I, I would hope this isn't their best baseball. That'd be <laughs> that'd be pretty bad. <laughs> and we talked about how you know this is a lineup that is less dangerous offensively. We've hit on that point. I feel like on the last couple of podcasts as well. It still should be better than this. And I want to draw some attention to the top of the lineup because I mean, Bo Bichette's batting three twenty one. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is batting three eleven. Like the averages are good. There are numbers that suggest like they're not terrible by any means, but when you have situations like you do in that Baltimore series where bases loaded one out and what do you get a runoff and sack fly grounding yeah. into double plays, George Springer's bat is starting to get going. And I think that is a good sign. If we were doing ups this episode, Springer's bat would probably be one of them, but the lack of a clutch hitting gene for this team. And I can't tell if it's, and not that you always want to drastically change your approach in the middle of a ball game, Coombsy, but do does, does a guy like Vladdy have the ability to say, hey, I'm just going to you know, choke up and try to hit one up the middle here? Is he going up there trying to hit the home run ball every time? And I, I just wonder if they don't have or if they're just actively ignoring the moment at times and not just doing, okay, how can I get a run across here? It's like, no, no, no. I'm still trying to hit this thing to the second deck. Like, do you get what I'm kind of putting down here? The lack of clutch hitting from the top of the order is alarming to me, even if you can point to a few of their stats and go, well, that's good and that's good. Like, no, no, no. At some point, the wins and losses reflect on the guys who hit one, two, three, the game in, game out. Yeah, I think I think yeah. Go back to what what I just said. I think over the course of a, a large sample, this Jays team will be just fine. But what we've seen here in these important playoff style games, I know it sounds a little silly to call them playoff style games, but that's what they are. These are important games. The series in Boston, the series against the Yankees, this against Baltimore, the upcoming one against Tampa. They're such important games. They're intense, um, and and you're kind of seeing. Um, something not overly different than what we saw in game one last year against Seattle, where the Jays kind of just looked completely shell shocked and it kind of transferred over into game two with the meltdown. I mean, again, it's a two game little playoff sample size, so I wouldn't want to draw too many big conclusions about that, but the whole point of all the changes in the off season, the, um, you know, uh, switching the roster around, changing the composition, bringing in Don Mattingly, like changing the bench, getting rid of the home run jacket, making it less about, you know, going yard and doing things like that and instead bunting the runner over and scoring a run that way. We just haven't really seen that, you know, apparently new look diverse offense where they're scoring runs and scratching and clawing and they're frustrating to play against. They just haven't looked like that yet. And it's maybe it'll just take some time. Maybe it's an adjustment period for them. Maybe it's something that we'll see shine through as time goes along and other teams burn out a little bit and other teams pitchers start to struggle. Injuries mount up. I think that's when you do see the strength of a baseball team come through. But yeah, again, when you when you see a team perform like this against other good teams, especially when you play in the American League East, it's really not encouraging. I really wouldn't. I don't think they're, I wouldn't 110% count them out of the AL East just yet, but I think you have to be very, very, very optimistic to think that they're still in that race. Yeah, you unfortunately. Have, I, man, I even just look, I'm trying not to be alarmist, and I have a tendency to do that, I know. But you have to catch two of 
the Red Sox, Astros, Yankees, or Orioles. Two of those teams need to be caught by the Jays. Okay, you're two and a half back of the Astros. You're one back of the Red Sox. But I think with Altuve coming back, the Astros are probably a team. I mean, they're, they've won seven in a row. They're starting to find their stride right now. And this is a team that'll probably just stay hot for the next month and a half. Like, it would not surprise me at all. So catching the Red Sox, sure, that's doable. I think the Red Sox are largely a worse ball club than the Blue Jays. They should have no issue catching them. But then you have to catch one of the Yankees or Orioles. And even if the Orioles are going to struggle and hit the skids at some point here, you're six games back of them already. It is very hard to make up a six-game gap in Major League Baseball, especially when the team has the potential that the Orioles do. Like They're they're a solid ball club, man. I said it from our preseason prediction when I thought they were going to take a step forward. I think we can all expect that the Yankees probably aren't just going to crater and crumble at any point down the stretch. Like The path to this Blue Jays team making the playoffs is actually a very difficult one. Yeah, it's not as automatic as it was last year. The American League was quite a bit weaker last year, it seems. Um, yeah, you throw Texas into the mix, too. They're 29 and 17. They look quite good. Um, and unfortunately, one of the playoff spots has to go to whoever wins the American League Central. So you can't finish fourth or fifth in the American League East and still expect to get in. And, you know, the the thing is, is I, I said in my last point, hey, maybe a team like Baltimore slows down throughout the year. Maybe they're too young and they can't handle the grind of a major league baseball season but also maybe their general manager leans into the season they're having and they have a huge trade deadline texas could do that too the yankees could do that who knows like yeah it sucks the 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 um neither of us really want to sound alarmist we don't want to be overly negative or try and draw conclusions about a baseball team over a 10-day stretch or a seven-game stretch whatever but the 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 reality is is even if the jays are just good it might not be good enough because you have to be great in the American League now, especially the American League East. And I'm not really seeing great vibes. I can I can wrap my head around good. I can see there's a lot of good things the Jays do well. They, you know, strong starting pitching. The lineup can get hot. I think the bullpen is solid. There's, there's depth. It's fine. Um, you know, there's all the aspects of them being a good team like they were last year. But now that the competition is stronger, it's, you know, this is a team they... they have in the past struggled to come through at very big moments. And it seems like it just persists year after year after year, no matter what changes are made or what, you know, what adjustments are made. It feels like the same kind of, I made a joke last year when they lost to Seattle and I got a lot of shit for it um, on the Blue Jays Nation Twitter account. I said, this Jays, this Jays team has kind of a Toronto Maple Leafs vibe. They need to shake, you know, the same Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner core that just cannot come through in big games and always seems to get edged out. The other team always finds a way to beat them and they can't come up big. That's really what we saw this past week with New York and Baltimore was there were opportunities for the Jays to come through and win games and make this stretch go a little bit better. You know, you're, you're, they're dealing with the flu. They're having some problems. They're burnt out from playing a lot of games in a row. I don't think we should have expected them to win, go six and one against New York and Baltimore, but they had plenty of chances to salvage this stretch and even just do a three and four or four and three. And they just weren't able to get the job done. And this has happened so much over the past that I don't blame anybody for being aggravated and being, skeptical that this group has the ability to get it done. And I'd be happy to be proved wrong. I'd be happy for, for old takes exposed or whatever to dunk on this clip. I don't give a fuck, but it's, it's, it's hard to see them go up against these opponents in these key moments and just not come through. Yep. 
Uh, all right. Last episode, I think we clocked ourselves at like 29 minutes <laughs> straight of being negative. So this week, we'll cap it at 25.45. So I, I think that's a good amount of negativity. Uh, we'll end this segment here with a little bit of positivity. I mentioned George Springer. His bat's starting to come around, hit a big dinger, all of that. He's starting to look maybe like he's hitting a, a hot streak here. And that would be very welcome at the top of this order. The other up is Kevin Gosman had himself a hell of a start going eight innings. It's a damn note. We're not being negative. I won't talk about the offense. Kevin Gosman threw eight good innings and uh, only allowed two earned runs. That was a very, very solid start. And you need starts like that. I wish it would have came at a moment where you end the game at nine. You save your bullpen. You don't need to do anything crazy because that would have been important in this stretch of whatever, 15 straight ball games with no days off. Um, but Gosman was good. There's our up. Um, I'll offer one more up just so that it's three. I thought Nate Pearson pitched well yes. in that relief appearance after Gosman. He, he tossed two innings, uh, had some base runners look composed. He allowed the, the ghost runner to score in the 10th inning. Wasn't an earned run. It counts as just a run. Uh, I thought it was positive to see Nate Pearson pitch in leverage and come through and get the job done. Um, in the past, he kind of looked, eh, when pitching in more difficult situations, he kind of looked a little bit like a deer in the headlights, like he was stressed out, anxious, struggling to get the job done. But Nate Pearson is starting to look now like a very confident Major League Baseball pitcher, which is a huge thing for the Jays because we talked about, oh, maybe we need some help in the bullpen. Well, maybe there's an internal option right there. We've been talking about it for years, and this might be the year for Big Nate. It's honestly one of the feel-good stories. Like We talked about the bearded Kikuchi bounce back and all of that, but after kind of reading the pieces we have and hearing what we have about how much of a struggle it was for Nate Pierce in these last couple of years to see him just on a human level of like living out his dream of finally being an everyday major leaguer is an awesome story. It is. It really is. I, you, you got to feel for the guy because some of the, the things he's dealt with are so, so freak and so random, right? Like think about in the minors getting drilled with the line, uh, with the line drive misses pretty much the whole season. There's the other year where he's got mono and pretty much gets wiped the whole year because of that. Like <laughs> these are just weird, weird, shitty things to happen. So good for him for getting back to it and uh, finding a role where he can really contribute to the team. All right, we are going to take a look ahead here as well. But first, we're going to pause for a quick ad. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Coomzy, uh, we are going to talk about our series coming up against the Rays. But first up, we are going to do uh, something kind of new here on the pod. We got a new producer, Brandon Douglas, joining us, and he's going to hop on every episode and give us the American League East report. Brando, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. Yeah, that. uh not looking too positive, despite it being a long weekend here in Canada. I don't know if many Jays fans have very many positives to pull from it. You guys covered that pretty extensively in the first half of the show. Um, and it honestly only gets worse when you look out to the rest of the AL East because every other team came away from their series um, with wins uh, in their series. Some of them sweep, some of them just two of three. If there's one tiny little silver lining, it's that those single wins that they, um, the Rays and the Red Sox gave up, they were two National League opponents, so they're not uh, giving up another game in the standing somewhere else. But um, yeah, the Rays, you guys are going to touch on this here moving forward, but newsflash to anybody that hasn't quite caught on yet. This is a very good ball club, and uh, they take two of three against the Brewers and do it in a couple different fashions. They win a game one nothing. They also outstroke them 8-4 in another. What's kind of surprising about the one nothing win that I saw um, they gave up eight hits in a one nothing win with uh, McClanahan going seven strong, giving up six, one walk and seven Ks. It shouldn't come as a surprise that he is pitching that well, but giving up that many hits in a one nothing win definitely uh, threw me for a loop when I checked the end of the game box score. And uh, yeah, this this next set um, that they're going to play against the Blue Jays here is is huge for the Jays to try and keep themselves in this race. Uh, elsewhere, Yankees, they were <laughs> in Cincinnati. And um, yeah, I don't think anybody should be too surprised to see them uh, take all three of those. Aaron Judge continues his hot stretch as well. Another home run. He only played in two of the three games, uh, four RBIs overall. He went four for four with a walk in game two as well. Not much else to touch on there, but uh, just like the Jays are going to have another big divisional matchup here. The Yankees are coming up against these Orioles hot off the heels of, of routing the Blue Jays over the weekend too. So, um, and uh, one other thing of note, the, uh, Luis Severino made his return to the the Yankees lineup and pitched in one of those games too. Not a particularly strong outing. I think he went four and two thirds, but just getting him back into the mix is, is it came at a good time, obviously with the Domingo German suspension um, taking place here with this kind of first missed start over in this series. Uh, and then lastly, the Red Sox, they beat a struggling Padres team two of three times. The Padres are, are certainly one of the more perplexing teams right now, I think uh, across the major league, but uh, they still got the sticks that can hurt you. And, and they, did do some damage in that third game. They they routed the Red Sox seven nothing. Kluber got chased after just two and a third. But it, at the end of the day, it's wins that matter the most. And they got two of three. Uh, they're going to come up against the Angels here for a three game set this week. And Justin Turner, uh, he did leave Friday's game uh, against. The Padres with some knee soreness, but it does look like he's expected to return at third base. Uh, if not today, then likely at some point during this series with the Angels. And, and guys, apart from that, I mean, you guys touched on it really well in the front half of the show. At the start of the season, it was all the talk that this division could very well be the best in baseball. And if you look across the standings right now, it's really not even close. Every team above 500, the Jays are fifth in the division, three games above. Orioles, Yankees in their wildcard spots. Red Sox are only game and a half back of that, that third spot too. So the Jays need to figure their stuff out really quick here or else they're uh, going to get blown into the, the rear view mirror before they even have a chance. Jays fifth in the AL East with a 532 win percentage. The Twins winning their division in the AL Central 
with a 532 win. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Brandon taking us around the American League East with the AL East report. Uh, Coombsy, let's dig into this matchup coming up against the Rays. So I like a couple of things that Brandon said. First off, okay, Red Sox got to go play the Angels. Uh, they're going to not have to face Otani on the bump. So that kind of sucks. But Yankees Orioles going head to head, which means one of those two teams is going to see their winning streak come to an end. And the Jays going head to head against the Rays. We were doom and gloom for whatever I said, 25-45 to start this pod. We're going to end with some positivity. You got Bassett starting off this series against the Rays. You have four games against Tampa Bay. Yankees Orioles going head to head. One of those two teams is going to be losing every game. If there was ever a time to kick it into high gear and turn this season around, you are primed to do it this week. Yeah, before okay, before we talk about Tampa, who are you cheering for in the head-to-head against Baltimore and the Yankees? Who do you think it's how, – how should I word this? Who do you think would you rather see win games in May because you think they're going to be more dangerous or less dangerous in September? Wow, I worded that so awkwardly, but you know what I mean, right? Oh, I, get what, I get what you mean. There's a part of me that is like, listen, I mean, we just heard Severino could potentially be getting – or he is back in the mix for the Yankees. If the Yankees just keep getting healthier throughout the year, they're going to be a bigger problem. So there's a part of me that says, let them go cruise up the standings. Baltimore is probably the more likely of the two to suffer some egregious 10-game losing streak at some point in, in July or August. So give me Orioles' losses now so the Jays get closer to them and can kind of make up for what happened. Because, listen, in the dream world of the Jays win three or four against Tampa, if the Yankees sweep the Orioles, then... I mean, the Jays stay three back or they'd go to whatever, three and a half back of the Yankees and they would move a hell of a lot closer to Baltimore. So I think I'm rooting as weird as this is for the Yankees. Interesting. I think I'm on the I'm on the other side of that. After seeing Baltimore have that very encouraging series against Toronto where they made the Blue Jays the trash birds, they flipped the script and I wasn't able to post the garbage bin weekend all image or all weekend. I now, yeah, I now want to see the Orioles... Um, Actually, that's tough. I don't know. Uh, I'd like to see that's both teams find. I'd like to see both teams find a way to lose. I'm my head's spinning here, and I don't know what I want to happen. But what I know I do want to happen is I want the Blue Jays to go into Tampa and beat the wheels off of the Rays. The Jays this year were the first team to hand Tampa an L. They started off the season what was it thirteen and 0, 14 and zero, that kind of thing. And the Jays handed them their first loss. Took two out of three in that series in Toronto back in April. So. Hey, you know what? Maybe the uh, the Jays the the Jays know how to beat the Rays, and that's just the way it is. We have Chris Bassett going up against Trevor Kelly, who's made one start this season. He allowed five earned runs over four innings. Then it's Jose Barrios versus versus Taj Bradley, a rookie. You say Kikuchi versus Ace Shane McClanahan, who has a two point zero five ERA this season. And then it's Alec Manoa, who we think had a nice rebound start last time out, going up against Zach Eflin, the pitcher that Tampa or Tampa signed to. Uh, I think it was one of the biggest free agent contracts they've ever handed out in, in franchise history. It was like a three-year, $35 million deal or something like that, like a Yusei Kikuchi deal, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you don't have Gosman going in this series, which I think is unfortunate. But at least you have your second best guy, Chris Bassett, to start things off. Jose Barrios has been strong as of late. Kikuchi had a rough one, but Alec Manoa rebounded. Maybe he's figured something out, pitching to Danny Jansen rather than his usual guy, Alejandro Kirk. So, yeah, let's have some optimism going into this one. The Jays get some great pitching in Tampa. The bats wake up. They flip the script and they do well at the House of Horrors. Good vibes only. 
yeah, hitting uh, hitting the road here as well, which is an interesting one for this team after squandering a great opportunity with a long homestand. Uh, Trevor Kelly is going to work as the opener in this ball game, and then it'll be Fleming's. I think Mark Tompkins or Topkin had uh, that. Fleming is going to carry the bulk of the work for them. But uh, just quickly on Trevor Kelly, he might be the most Tampa Bay Rays player ever. This guy is 30 years old. He was drafted in the 36th round back in 2015 by the Boston Red Sox, so not even the Rays. He has thrown in his Major League Baseball career 41 innings, and yet he's come in this year and been, I mean, his ERA is pretty high, but he's eaten innings out of the bullpen uh, for them. So him getting this opener slot, like, I fully expect him. They're going to plan for him to go one inning. Nah, he's going to go like two and a third and just cruise his way through the Jays lineup once because that's what the Rays do. They get this guy who, again, is 30 years old, picked over a thousandth in the MLB draft, and he's going to come in and be lights out for a bit. That is what happens, and I think two and a third is a little yeah. ungenerous. I would say he's going to go like five innings <laughs> shut out against the Jays. He's going to match like his, uh, his output for the entire season in one game. Uh, uh, we're supposed to be positive, though. I know, I know. So Not I, easy. I pass it. 27 straight scoreless innings. Boom. Jays have the advantage there. Barrios going up against a guy who's only thrown 20 innings this year in Taj Bradley. Kate, we're going to say that's an advantage as well. Kikuchi versus <laughs> Lanahan. That's why I said they're winning three of four. Manoa versus Zach Eflin. I mean, I like to think Manoa maybe laid some good building blocks for uh, for himself in his last start against Baltimore. Uh, so there you go. That is a uh, wrap on this week's episode. Coombsy, we'll be back. It's a matinee on Thursday. So maybe we'll record on Thursday afternoon as well. Um, but giddy up. This is a big, big week for our Blue Jays. It is. I, I, I really believe that, unfortunately, if the Jays go ahead and get swept or if they lose three of four in this series, I don't know if three of four is as disastrous, but if they go ahead and get swept, like if the energy from the Baltimore series continues into Tampa and they lose all four, we can kiss the American League East goodbye pretty much officially, I would say. 100%. All right, big week for the Jays, Coombs. You will chat Thursday. Best wishes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 